0: From WDBM
1: East Lansing, this is City Pulse on the air. Joining you now, your editor-in-chief of the Lansing City Pulse, Burl Schwartz. Hello, this is arts editor Skylar Ashley, filling in for Burl Schwartz. On today's show, we're going to listen to City Pulse reporter Todd Haywood's interview with Lansing Chief of Police Ellery Sosby. Sosby joined the Lansing Police Department in 2002 and took over as interim police chief for the retired Daryl Green in 2021. Haywood talks with Sosby about his goals and priorities as he tackles the head position at the Lansing Police Department. You can check out the extended version of this interview at LansingCityPulse.com. And now, on to Haywood's conversation with Police Chief Sosby, here on City Pulse On the Air.
0: Good afternoon, Chief. Thank you so much for joining us today to have a conversation about uh, you as Chief and what your plans are and how we're gonna get there. Uh, Let's start off with some biographical information. I mean, you're kind of a new player for many of us. So where were you born? Where were you raised? All that sort of fun stuff.
2: So yeah, I grew up uh, about 40 minutes north of the city in a small town uh, called Ashton born and raised there, and then I went to Michigan State. Actually, LCC for a year, and then Michigan State.
0: Okay, and uh, are you married, you have kids, all that fun stuff? Yep, I am married and have a family, yes. Okay, and how old are you? 45. Well, you're a youngin', you're just a spring chicken. Yeah. <laughs> um, 46 so, March. I'm sorry? 46 in March. Oh, all right, well, early happy birthday. Um, oh, thank you. So, you've been with the department your whole career, correct?
2: No, I started out actually in Gratiot County Sheriff's Office as a reserve deputy. And then I moved, uh, I went to the, academy, the police academy. And then I uh, started my career out in Meridian Township uh, for about three and a half years. I was out there as an officer before I came to LPD. Okay.
0: So, you're chief now, it's been approved. <laughs> fully in place. Uh, there go the dogs. I apologize. Um, so it, help us understand um, sort of what your vision is for the Lansing Police Department.
2: Well, I think my vision is, um, is to be more efficient. Uh, and when I say that, I know that's a broad term, but to be more efficient, I think we have to define uh, to, to really be be truthful ourselves and our and what we do and what we're here to do is we really need to define public safety what does that mean uh you know we're we're tasked with a very very difficult job to keep uh the citizens safe uh, and that's an out police officer anywhere in, in the world um but well, how do we do that what best fits city of lansing uh what what's different what's what fits the city of lansing is different than what fits Merdine township or you know, the state police or a county up in the UP. So it's, it's we have to define what, what true public safety means to us. Does uh, You know, and, and that's something to hard, hard to get our head wrapped around. When I started here, we had 200 and almost 60 police officers uh, on, on patrol or in the department, sworn officers. And, you know, we, we went through some tough years where we lost a lot of positions. Uh, we're slowly getting a few back, but I don't ever see. Honestly, I don't ever see us getting back to those numbers. Uh, we have to do more with less, uh, and that's not just in law enforcement; that's everywhere, um, in every profession. Um, but again, we need to we need to assess what we're doing, what's working, what's not working, where our resources are going. Um, you know, I I I think that we by defining what public safety is, possibly we use some resources in different on different uh, portions of that public safety, whether it's um, professional, mental professionals, uh, social workers, um, you know, more uh, programming for our youth, more, you know, things that help us, not necessarily today, but the end result, what we'll see uh, next week, next year, 10 years down the road. Uh, We really have to reassess and, and, and really be more efficient with what we do
0: as law enforcement, um and uh, you know especially in the city so within that context do you expect i mean because it sounds like you haven't fully defined what that means that you're still struggling with getting your hands around that do you expect then that you'll be bringing in some outside consultants and possibly doing community meetings to try and define it with the community as to what the role of public safety should be in lansing
2: Well, I haven't, I haven't necessarily decided that how, what the avenue is. Look, we, I have every intent and I've said it before, Uh, I'll say it again. I am one that takes input from internal, external sources. Uh, I, you know, our best practices are things that, that work best nationally, globally, um, and we take those very seriously. So if something works out on the West coast that we don't have here, we essentially copy that program or copy that uh, the, the process or whatever it may be that, that helps the, whatever the problem is. And we instill it here with uh, uh, the flavor of Lansing, the flavor of LPD. Uh, because again, like I said, what works other places uh, doesn't work necessarily here and vice versa. However, uh, the ideas and concepts in general uh, may work. We just have to make it fit for Lansing. Uh, what, how I get that, how we get that, how the city gets that—I am—I am very. I've been very open about uh, taking input, whether it looks like a community forum or if it looks like, um, you know, I'll make it up. Coffee with the chief, or if it's uh, if it's an email, or if it's a phone call, or a text, or whatever it may be, um, you know, there are things that I need from the community to make sure that what we're doing at LPD is what the community wants. And, uh, and that's, that's my goal uh, moving forward in 2022, uh, to make sure that what we're doing is not only right in our mind, uh, but right in the citizen's mind,
0: because that's what really matters. It, when we talk about that, you've, you've taken a lot of heat for being present at the press conference with uh, Sheriff Rigglesworth as it related to prosecutorial decisions by uh, Carol Seaman. Help us better understand why you were there and, and what your concerns are and, and whatnot.
2: Sure. And I don't, here's the, here's the thing in, in, uh, you know, prosecutor Seaman and I have had conversations since then, before then, since then, uh, about the intent, um, uh, prosecutor Seaman's intent, I I think is just. Uh, what I wanted to make sure that she understood, what everybody understood, what our officers, what our, our citizens understood was, I believe there to be discrepancies in the, in the data that she speaks of. There's no, just no arguing that. However, policy change in the, way, in the way she did it and in the time that she did it is unfortunate because we're dealing with, and it's not just a Lansing issue, it's a national issue, an epidemic of violent crime and gun crime, and to install policy uh, that takes away some of the tools that law enforcement, and I say law enforcement, I don't just mean police officers, I'm talking the, the criminal justice system, which is police, prosecutors and judges. When you take away some of the some of the tools that we have in place by law, to combat that crime and combat those issues, the the timing was just very poor. And that's what I wanted to make known that I don't disagree with taking action. That action was not what I would have recommended. I didn't support it. And I was was really hoping that she would have reversed that
0: policy. Okay. And that was specific to felony firearm, correct? Correct. Not to the, the stop and search decision which is what yeah,
2: that was, uh, felony fire yep
0: right so because the, the stop and search thing is is what really got the sheriff going um you know chief green announced a couple of years ago that he was going to stop the the stop and search essentially mm-hmm. the the minor traffic violations is that continuing under you and if so why does the data show that people of color are still being pulled over uh, at higher rates and we're still seeing you know people being pulled over for and I'm just using examples here that pulling stuff out of my mind so you know broken tail light etc and then a subsequent search
2: so well, i don't have any knowledge of of our officers doing those type of stops and the the stops that i'm referring to is is different from the so the memo that came out from Chief Green, um, and I'll read—I'll read the quote because they have it right here. The LPD has reduced interest in defective equipment violations due to their regulatory nature and lack of relationship to traffic safety. Therefore, regulatory violations such as cracked windshields, loud exhaust, inoperable license plate lamps, cracked taillights, dangling ornaments, and window treatments are deemed secondary violations. Um, that to my is still in place. Uh, under my direction, and I don't have any knowledge uh, that states that we're pulling, the, uh, making those traffic stops. However, when you talk about Prosecutor Siemens' memo, she deems everything a non public safety stop. So she has more exemptions in her um, policy than the Lansing Police Department does.
0: And is that interfering with the Lansing police department's ability to do the job? I mean, if you've got somebody speeding down MLK at 75 miles an hour, I mean, that's to me, that's a public safety issue.
2: Correct. In in my personal opinion, as an officer of 24 years, in total 20 years here, the Lansing police department does not need to make these stops to get the job done. I, 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 I don't feel like there's any reason to reverse this memo um, because what we have. I don't want to. I don't want to.
1: You're listening to City Pulse on the air on 88.9 FM. The Impact. Let's get back to reporter Todd Haywood's conversation with Lansing Police Chief Ellery Sosby.
2: Paint a, paint a bleak picture, but we don't. Our officers do not need type of violations. To stop vehicles. I mean, we our number one complaint these days is, other than some of the violence, is is traffic concerns, and it's not busted taillights and 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 busted uh, you know dangling ornaments. It's what you explained. It's the seventy miles an hour southbound on King over the over the river. That's the problem. Um, so if you're asking, do do I think that this hinders the Lansing Police Department? Uh, for, for working towards the common goal of public safety. No.
0: I... Okay. That's, that's really helpful uh, in helping people understand. And we've seen the same complaints about the, sorry, I was going to stop the dogs from fighting over a bone.
2: Don't worry about the dog. That doesn't bother me at all.
0: It what bothers me because it's bad for the video. Uh, oh. So uh, I guess yeah, I, we've heard about the drag racing and, and those concerns, so there was some question within the community as to whether or not there was any sort of enforcement activity by the Lansing Police Department. And it sounds like, yes, that is something that you would absolutely go after, and you've done some speed stuff too, I think.
2: Yeah, we, we've had Operation Slowdown uh, most of uh, the spring of 2021 all the way through the end of the year of, of twenty one. Um, we've, we've, we've helped, we've had help from the state police, uh, our motors, our, our traffic unit has been, um, very active and, you know, I'm, I'm, I have those, that data and those numbers and I'll have, uh, Mr. Merrick share those with you if you don't have them. Uh, but, but yeah, we have that, we track that and we still continue to do it with an emphasis on that very thing. It's not an emphasis on traffic stops. We're not, look, my, my, my view of public safety again is not stopping necessarily stopping people for busted taillights and and headlights and dangling ornaments public safety to me is stopping people that are driving recklessly because a dangling ornament isn't going to cause some a fatal car accident most likely Uh, but 70 miles an hour southbound on king or northbound on cedar or wherever it may be will and if we don't address that issue uh, we have no business dealing with dangling ornaments and taillights on
0: Okay. Within that that construct, we have heard, I mean, there was an incident that was highlighted by the uh, America 20 to Life program of a young man who was stopped for allegedly jaywalking. There's currently uh, an appeals process going on related to an arrest of a gentleman here in Lansing by Lansing police who was originally stopped for jaywalking. Are those pretextual stops? I mean, in both instances, subsequent to the stop, the individuals were found to have had weapons or stolen goods.
2: Well, I, I don't know specifically what one you're talking about. I do know both two of them. I, the, the one I, that I'm familiar with is still under review by our, our commissioned civilian investigator. Um, so I don't really want to comment on that one. Uh, because there was a complaint lodged uh, by that school. And the second one, I I guess you'll have to refresh my memory on that one, which, where the details are.
0: So it was a gentleman that was identified as a a suspect in uh, an armed robbery in which he also allegedly took weapons. Um, And he was under surveillance by an undercover officer who uh, radioed in that he had jaywalked. So a Michigan State trooper. It pulled him up, you know, flashed his lights and, you know, said stop police and the guy ran they subsequently caught him and when they searched his bag they found the stolen goods, that is being appealed to the Supreme Court right now, because the courts are torn on whether or not that violated his fourth amendment rights, um, because the search was subsequent to a pretext is what the what the defense is arguing. Um, obviously, I don't expect you to know the, the details of every single case that are going on. That's going on, but I, I, I go back to as a gay man who sort of came of age here in Lansing. I know that jaywalking was used as a pretext to harass gay men crossing Michigan Avenue to go to tramps and Joe Cavellos. So there is that history in place. It is does that concern you that jaywalking may be being used as a pretext for developing other crime leads?
2: I, I, I yes, I do. I think that bothers me because it, let's we'll, we'll refer back to the traffic, the traffic data, traffic stop. I, I, I see it no differently. Um, there's no need to to to, to necessarily. somebody for jaywalking if they have probable cause to believe that they have a weapon on them or they see a weapon or they you know the jaywalking uh you know why would we ever why would you even need to do that um i don't know the specific details of those cases uh to comment on them but again when we have violent crime it's such a problem with violent crime in, in our city right now in our state in our country um to deal with somebody jaywalking Um, I don't think it's necessary when we, again, I don't want to paint a bleak bleak picture, but there are bigger fish to fry.
0: Well, and let's let's talk about that. I mean, we do have a violent crime problem. We have a gun problem. I mean, the vast majority of murders last year were uh, firearm related. How are we going to deal with this? How do you deal with this?
2: Again, this is one of those things where all, all across the country, where chiefs are having the same conversation. Uh, what do we do? What's next? Um, this is nothing that's going to change overnight. We've gotten ourselves here, and we can all day blame it on the pandemic. We can blame it on de-policing. We can blame it on defunding. All we want. Uh, putting the blame on that doesn't matter. What matters is what we're going to do about it and and, and moving forward. We I said it in a press conference recently that You know, we don't we don't necessarily we don't have a violence problem because I can show you the data that shows that we don't have necessarily a violence problem. The problem is, is our homicide rate and our gun crime rate has skyrocketed like any others. Um, The the national data on gun purchases in the last two years is is extraordinary. Um, And it's sad. And not only are those guns being purchased by legal.
1: uh, You're listening to City Pulse on the air on 88.9 FM, The Impact. Let's get back to reporter Todd Haywood's conversation with Lansing Police Chief Ellery Sosby.
2: Adults, uh, but they're getting in the wrong hands. And when you have the the ability to just pick up a gun and end a fight or end an argument or make a point, this is what happens. Uh, Because the people that are doing this are young. Uh, Unfortunately, the trend is very, very young. Um, Children in some cases um and i say children less than 18 years of of age
0: so minors
2: minors correct and you know they have no forward thought of consequence they just want to put the push the easy button and that's uh pick up a gun and 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 deal with it and on top of that they can they can get a gun uh whether it's stolen out of a car that's not secured or stolen out of a house or it's just left somewhere um uh, and they have access to it, like one of their, their parents leave it on a nightstand or something like that. Um, you know, we, we talk about data and numbers. Our, our department has seized over 600 guns in 2021. Uh, that, is, that is an extraordinary number for seized illegal guns. Um, just imagine the guns that are out there if we have seized 600 illegal uh, weapons in one 12-month period. I mean, and I think since 2019, we've had, we've seized over 1200 guns. I mean, that's, you don't know really how big of a number that is until you see what even 50 guns looks like on a table. Um, and then you realize the, the, the magnitude of that. And not only that, but, um, you know, some of these guns are used in multiple, multiple occasions uh, on multiple crimes. So they may be used in one crime and then they, they sell it or get rid of it. To somebody else and they use that gun has been used in another crime uh so just one gun can be responsible for three or four crimes possibly and we have thousands of them
0: right so you, you talked about it being stolen or not secured on the parents nightstand etc are we doing anything to hold those gun owners responsible for being irresponsible with their weapons i mean Look, I've got stage guns that look like real guns, but they're yeah. all—they've all got you know trigger locks on them. They've all—they're all stored under lock and key.
2: So we—we we do, we have, we always have, and we always will uh, give. You know, we have gun locks here that we hand out every day. The police, department, the local police departments have them. We encourage that when we get guns registered. Um, they're free. You don't even have to buy them. Um, you know, we've recently talked with the mayor and the city attorney about uh, may possibly uh, installing some type of ordinance that will hold those those owners, those gun owners, accountable if they do not um, report their guns stolen. Uh, a lot of times, what we find is that because of sheer embarrassment or sheer number of guns, when when guns get lost or stolen, they don't report them. Um, and that's, that's great knowledge to have. If we know that those guns are out there, um, then we can you know, take action against those, those individuals when we find them. Um, and if they don't uh, register them uh, or report them as stolen, then hopefully there's some type of recourse to, get, um, to take on actions on those people um, that fail to do that. And hopefully that will help with the accountability part of it, um, lock them up. Uh, store them in a safe position or a location, throw a gun lock in them. Um, I know it's not convenient, but uh, a a few minutes or a few seconds to throw a gun lock uh, could save a a child's life if if, if that gun got into a child's hand or somebody else's hand and the child got, um, was the unintentional victim.
0: So that's good about future answers. But what about currently? I mean, you, you mentioned that these are stolen guns or, or guns that were taken out of the parents' nightstand. Are we holding those gun owners responsible for being irresponsible right now? Or do we not have the tools?
2: Yeah, we really don't have the tools unless we can show intent um, and, and malice in, the, in some cases. So uh, to, to we, can, we can request charges through the prosecutor, city attorney, and or the attorney general's office. Uh, but again, we're working towards that um, to where you don't necessarily have to show intent or malice, just negligence.
0: Okay. Um, so I'm going to shift a little bit. I mean, you mentioned the defund movement, and we, you know, we saw um, the social worker resign uh, last week. Help me understand a little bit about how the department is responding to the concerns raised by. Black Lives Matter and other community members, as well as, you know, I mean, the the resignation of Ms. Bidwell, she really cited how difficult that job was. It was more difficult than she had expected it to be. So, how do we, a, address those citizen concerns, but also, b, have those social workers there where they're not getting burnt out or harmed themselves uh, in mental health ways?
2: Yeah, well, I, I, can, I can touch on uh, Miss Bidwell's uh, departure a little bit. You know, she never shared with us, um, you know, some of those thoughts. And I don't know where that, that quote came from uh, about her being overwhelmed. She was, she was a very, very hard worker. Um, she, she worked when she wasn't working, if that makes sense, because um, she was very passionate about it. Um, and that takes its toll on people. When you can't shut it off, and get away from it, at some point, you get burnout out. Uh, and that's what happens in a lot of things, a lot of police officers, firefighters, uh, military. And now when you embed it, it's a social worker within that environment, they not only have the stresses that come with their profession, but they have the stressors that come with our profession. And that's a lot. And, you know, Miss Bedwell was was awesome for our department and our city. Um, I wish she would have stayed on. Um, you know, but you know, some, when people have a calling, they have a calling on to uh, a different, uh, take a different Avenue. And I think my job moving forward, and I've said this publicly numerous times, uh, you know, I had a proposal on my desk, uh, or not on my desk, but I built a proposal that I showed with, uh, chief green and and in some part, chief yankowski uh, when Jan came in to bolster that unit, uh, because I see value in it. Um, I can, I, I know that she not only helps our officers by being there for support, but she also helps our officers because she essentially can utilize her profession and her knowledge and skill set to alleviate calls for service that our officers have been going on for years. Um, we're not social workers, uh, but we've been, uh, you know, they've been calling us to be social workers in some cases because they just don't have the resources. So the next the best thing is to call the police department and see what they can do about it. And I really wanna get away with from that because we, we're not the, the subject experts in social work, um, nor do we wanna be. And that it's not fair to not only the officer who gets thrown into that situation, it's not fair to the victim uh, or the accused in some cases, they need the best resource they can get. And sometimes it's not a police officer. But that's what they get because that's the easy button they call 911 and then you get a firefighter or a cop and that's not what they need they need somebody to talk to that understands the, their mental ability and their, their capacity that can give them different resources than police and fire can so that's my goal um you know and the mayor has been super supportive of this um and, and fortunate fortunately for us so is the public so far I've been very supportive of of the social worker unit and I look to to bolster that that unit. Um, we recently hired a supervisor for that unit and we are actively trying to fill Miss Goodwell's position so that we at least have two social workers on staff and hopefully in the year or two to come we'll, we'll add more.
1: You're listening to City Pulse on the air on 88.9 FM The Impact. Let's get back to reporter Todd Haywood's conversation with Lansing Police Chief Ellery Sosby.
0: So- in that same context and pushing back a little bit, the National Association of Social Workers has actually taken the stand that uh, social workers should not be embedded with police, should not be part of the police force per se, they should be independent of. How does that play into how you look at integrating the social work aspect, which I think we've shown does have some very successful edges to it, but you've got Real pushback within the perf-
2: and I'm not familiar with that study, but I can tell you that um, we, what will what that will hap- what will happen is that you will get people that now that would have been for embedding social workers within our within a police department to not do that uh, because of that recommendation alone, and I think that only hurts us. I don't know the reasoning uh, before of that, other than possibly the burnout and the exposure to what police officers see on a daily basis, uh, which sometimes can be very violent and cruel. Um, but I I guess my goal would be to overcome that. And I think the remedy for that would be to not have one, two, or three people, them being social workers, take on so much. Um, maybe better defined roles, uh, specialties within social workers. Um, whatever that may be, you handle this. I'll handle this type of call, so forth and so on. Um, I don't know the answer to that, but it's a it's an obstacle that we'll have to overcome if, in fact, that that study proves to be a recommendation nationally.
0: Yeah, it's what I think they're concerned about is the the social worker appearing to be a completely objective third party, and the concern is is that if they're showing up with the police that it, that, that gets
1: muddied up.
0: I mean, I, it, I certainly wouldn't say that, that Ms. Bidwell or any of the other social workers were not independent, but the perception could be there. And that's the concern that National Association of Social Workers has.
2: Yeah, I, and I understand that 100%. I think it's a, that's a matter of deployment. How, how do we uh, utilize the social worker? Do we, do we put them out? Uh, do they ride along with the officers? Do they, are they completely independent? Uh, from the police department, but a part of the police department, if that makes sense, yep. um, have their own office space, have their own location for people to come to. Um, you know, I don't know what that looks like, but those are all possibilities. If that is in indeed in is a concern, where they want to want to be involved with law enforcement but not be involved in law enforcement. Um, you know, you you know share resources but not be you know have uh, LPD social worker on their shirt. Um, to make sure that people have that independent option where they just, if you're, if you're involved with the police department, I want nothing to do with you, um, which, which hinders us in, in a way. We don't want that. We, we want, we're, we have these resources there for a reason, for them to take them on and, and get help, the help that they need. And if them being embedded with the, law, with, with the police department or have a, a police social worker on their chest or on their back, um, negates that interaction, then that's definitely counter, you know, productive, in my opinion.
1: And that about does it for us here at City Pulse on the air. You can check out the full uncut interview between Todd Haywood and Lansing Police Chief Ellery Sosby at LansingCityPulse.com. This is Skylar Ashley for City Pulse signing off.